Keys with it, man! Whoa! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his nose. Yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you yeah, called it. Out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, no, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook BBL podcast, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I'm your host, Tim Williams, proud head of the Paddy Dooley Appreciation Society. What a performance from that man from the Hurricanes last night. Absolutely exceptional. Uh, I was head of the Jaya Richardson Foundation for or Appreciation Society, I should say, but even though I don't own Paddy Dooley, what he did last night was mesmerising. Love the bloke. So sorry, Richo, but it's Dooley time. Boys, we're here for the Round 3 Supercoach BBL podcast. Joining me is Supercoach BBL 9 champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, good to have you back, mate. Yeah, g'day, Timmy. G'day, Fish. Um, yeah, Dooley was pretty awesome last night. We'll try and put the pieces of the puzzle together and uh, give some Supercoach advice for the upcoming rounds. Yeah, love the bloke, but just hopefully not too many out there own him as I did. And also with us, last year's 22nd place finisher, Michael Fisher. Fish, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Timmy. I've got a uh, day off today, as I said, so plenty of NBA watching planned and then leading into the Big Bash tonight. So, awesome day coming up. We live tough lives, fellas. Tomo's a teacher. He's on holidays as well. So, uh, living our absolute best lives around the Christmas period. Tomo, how's the team tracking so far, mate? Good, bad? We're obviously one round in where at the time of recording, there's one game left of round two. So, we'll know those results by uh, the how we're sitting after round two tonight. But at the moment... How are you looking? All right. Well, I'll be interested to see how your round wrap-up goes, Timmy, but I think I'll do all right this round and move up in the rankings compared to round one. I've got six Scorchers players in my team. I had three left over from round one, which were English, Ty and Hardy, and I brought in Richo, Agar and Life this week, which I think worked out pretty well. I've got Matty Short to come tonight, so hopefully he plays well. Even after two knocks from a certain cheapish Perth opener, I'll be taking Matty Short. Uh, Ashton Agar was... Uh, underwhelming on the whole VCC. He was pretty good in game one, but last night didn't do a lot. Um, I'm looking at my side now, and I think there's more ticks than crosses, which is generally a good sign. Inglis, Sams, Riley, Rousseau were all ticks. Rousseau did some impressive hitting, and maybe at Adelaide Oval tonight, those type of square boundaries may suit his um, role. I'll emphasise, I said, could. Ty, Richo, Richo would be a nice VC, Timmy. Hardy was pretty good, someone who I was unsure of, but I just thought I'll go him. He's cheap, he's bat bowl, um, he's worked well out played. really well. He was very unlucky not to get that third over in last night. Um, mm. Some would say robbed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe like, he was on fire. Give him that Give him that second last over, not Berendorf, but I won't hold any grudges. <laughs> um, I guess it kind of shows that he's only going to be used in case of emergency. Um, so that's not so good for his role long-term, but, geez, it was nice to have. Um, look, I probably want the regular Thunder players to go well tonight. I'm setting some positive vibes towards Matty Jilts, but overall a better round this round for me, which is always nice. Good stuff, mate. Yeah, great get on the Aaron Hardy. I actually I had Hardy in my, my side at one stage, and then some pelican on the podcast last week, let's call him, say, Max Bryden, uh, talked me out of him. Granted, in his defence, just about everything he said came true. He just came in deep down the order and went nuts in that first game. So fair play to you, Maxie. Uh, that scorches line up with Turner getting a few overs, Hardy getting a few overs. 
it's a hard one to predict there. Um, Fish, what about yourself, mate? How's the side tracking? Yeah, okay. I for this round, I'm projecting a score about fourteen hundred, which usually you'd be very happy with, but it's a quite high scoring round with the the Richo VC and a lot of the Scorchers bowlers going off. Um, I missed the Richo VC and went for Agar instead, so it was quite conservative there in that play, thinking that Richo may not play both games. Um, mm. But I think well done to everyone who. who picked Richo, it was definitely a risk-reward play and, and one that's, that's paid off big time. So in terms of my sides, I'm still pretty happy. I, I've jagged someone like Shadab Khan uh, from the start um, and love his role and how he, he went last night, um, bowling a few death overs even, um, batting four, looks, looks like a, a season-long keeper. Uh, and then got some, some solid trade plans as well moving forward. I've been pretty conservative to start the season. Uh, that was until the spy got in my head and convinced me to <laughs> trade Khan to, to Thornton using a boost. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, bloody Shadab Khan. His role is so good. And as a non-Shadab owner, as uh, to see him batting at four ahead of Tim David, who is just an absolute gun who needs more time at the crease, fair dinkum, Kane, sort your stuff out. Um the Stalls, Kuma Stallions, 187th after round one. Uh, and we're sitting fairly pretty in round two at this stage. Things we, we know can change very quickly, but I'm on uh, 1,065 with seven players to come tonight. So if things pan out all right, maybe a cheeky little top 10 after round two, maybe top 50, um, could could capitulate and drop out of the top 200. Who knows what will happen, but uh, all going well. Hopefully a nice little rise when the game finishes tonight. Did manage to, to dodge the life and um, Faf Duplessy bullets, although Faf, watching that game last night, I was watching, they were both looking pretty good. Faf was going bonkers. I went to the loo and came back two minutes later and they were two down. I was just like, geez, when you're on, you're on, getting a bit of luck in this game. So I uh, went right there. Richo, my vice captain, absolute legend. Then a few other boys in my side. Matty Wade went big too last night. He was on for an enormous score, looking in really, really good touch. So happy to have Matty Wade in my side, especially with the Hurricanes having a few early games in the round coming up before their bye. Guys, the unlimited group code for SC Playbook. Jump on and take on the contributors. Code is 557991. We will shut off entries to that at some stage in coming weeks. So get in for that happens and be in the running for our major and minor prizes to subscribers and non-subscribers. Uh, this is obviously a round three Big Bash Supercoach podcast. We will be recording in two days' time a, a, an episode covering rounds four and five, which, which strings over Christmas uh, and then just before New Year. Um, so is up for that one today's episode we're going to be talking a bit of team strategy the swarm of early double game weeks is over so just a brief little discussion on what's the plan with our teams going forward trades are we going straight for the double game week teams down the track uh single game week guns how are we approaching that going to take a deep dive into the brisbane heat who are on the double game week in round three going to drop a pod and an anti-pod play each our trades and skipper plans for round three followed up by a few listener questions Guys, if you're keen on getting stacks of extra content this season, there's an SC Playbook subscription package. BBL package, $30 for the entire tournament, or $50 for our full package. Includes the 2023 NRL and AFL seasons. Uh, Also gives you access to our WhatsApp group. I do Q&As with subscribers before each and every round. 
Uh, you boys have absolutely been fantastic jumping in there with the SC Playbook community, giving feedback, your thoughts, and chatting all things Supercoach. If you'd like to do that, jump onto our website and find the subscribe tab in our menu. Fellas, let's get stuck into team strategy. Uh, and as I said, there was a lot of double game weeks early on in the season. They're over. We've obviously got, obviously got the heat this week. Um, the way the draw pans out, as a quick little synopsis, round three, we've got the Sydney Thunder on the bye, so they'll be making way in a lot of teams. Brisbane Heat on the double. Round four, no teams on the double. Round five, we have the Strikers and the Hurricanes on the bye with the Gades and the Sixers on the double. Round six and round seven, both rounds with no doubles and no buys. So aside from that round five with the gauge and the sixes on the double, it does give us an opportunity to sort of start targeting these single game week guns that have eluded our teams um, because they haven't been on the doubles early on. So I'll start with you, Fish. What's, I suppose, what's your plan over the next three to four rounds? Are you, are you looking at building squad value? Are you looking at getting the single game week guns? Uh, are you looking at going hard in that two two rounds time where there are the two sides on the double? Are you loading up on those players? What's your approach at the moment? Yeah. So first and foremost, I want to get more bowlers in my side. Uh, I think a lot of us are pretty batter heavy following the likes of Howells and Rousseau to start. So I'm going to target a bit of a restructure that way. And then... Because I've boosted this week for Thornton for a bit of cash generation, that's probably going to be less of a priority for me in the coming weeks. And one of the reasons that I did boost uh, this week was with an eye to maximising some some cash leading into round five. Mm. Just looking at the Renegades and the Sixers, there's a lot of players there who interest me. Uh, and I want to be able to, you know, have at least six of those coming in around five and I've got none at the moment. Um, mm. And most of my trades next week are going to be taken up with, with eight players or maybe sort of one um, value by someone like Bo Webster. So for me, it, it is all about targeting round five. Um, I'm mindful that round five is still a way away and, you know, who knows what the weather might be doing between now and then. Yeah. So uh, I, don't, I don't want to go all chips in on it. Um, but uh, I think for round four, there'll be guys who you want in your team anyway as, as a single player, the likes of Sean Abbott, um, maybe even Josh Philippi. Uh, mm. So I'll target the real big guns for the single game week and then weather permitting, I'll stack on Renegades and Sixers for round five. So uh, a pretty simple strategy for me, really. Yep. And the Sixers are obviously pretty prime targets, being one of the most consistent teams in Supercoach history. Sorry, Supercoach history. I should say Big Bash history. Um, you know, translating very well to, to Supercoach scoring. With that double uh, coming up in, what are we, round five they've got. So it's still three rounds away. But the beauty of them is, is they then go, it's two single game weeks in a row, then they again have the double in round eight. In round three, Coming up, they play the second game of the week. So someone like Josh Philippi, you can use him as that auto emergency loop option where you sit him on your bench and if he flops, you, you don't need him. Round four, they the Sixers play in game two again. So you, you're that, uh, sorry, you're again presented that option. Uh, and then it goes through to round five. They play in the first game of the round. So, you know, it, it's certainly not a bad option to, to start looking at Sixers players in particular. Tomo, what's your plan going forward? 
sure thing, some good ideas from Fish. Look, I'm going to try and do a little bit of everything over the next few rounds. I guess when you try and do a little bit of everything, you are at risk of um, missing out on something. But I'm going to try and do a little bit of everything. The first thing, as Fish alluded to, is I want to jump off some Thunder players. Um, some of them have underperformed, let's be real. So their cash is not as great as it was. Um, jumping off those Thunder players, I want to get on some cheapies that I think will increase in value real soon. I, I'm going to use one or two trades this round, jumping on like a Bow Webster or a few people like that. Um, I want to have as well, probably not this round, but moving forward, some degree of planning towards the Renegades and the Sixers. The Renegades look much better this year um, compared to the last few, so there's some more point scoring potential there. And the Sixers, they will get better too. They're proven over a long period of time. They're quality BBL performers, so I think they'll come good at some stage. And I guess as well as those two aspects, the third thing I want to have a look at, especially in those single game weeks, is I want to set up my side with players who for a long term look like safe picks. You know, those all-round types, who is regularly bowling three sort of overs, who is getting a bat and looking okay with the bat as well most weeks. Not all teams have this sort of player, but for those that do and have that clear defined role, I want to use a couple of trades over the next week or so to set up and hopefully get a nice team that is done before some others have their team. Not complete, but in a good spot. Yep, nice, mate. I touched on the the Sixers draw in coming weeks, but the Renegades who also obviously have that that round five double. Round five double? Let me get my uh, weeks right. Round five double. In round three, they play in game one of the round. Round four, they play in game one as well. So, again, great options for these AE loops. So there's a lot of enticements towards Renegades and Sixers players. Um Boys, both of you mentioned Bowie Webster there, who's got the very low, the negative break even, set to make some good cash, has a nice role uh, for the stars, that all-rounder role. Where, where do you sit, Fish, uh, on cash generation, the sort of chasing points and the fallen guns that we're seeing in the game, maybe someone like Ben McDermott, um, who are coming into far better values and we know we're getting them at a far better price. Um, I, I suppose it's a balance of, you know, chasing these fallen guns and the cheapies, but... At what point do you stop chasing cheapies and focus on guns? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it's very team-dependent. Um, yeah, so if very much like, so. If you've had a slower start, you could easily find yourself falling behind in the cash space uh, just because price changes start from round one and uh, they'll that means that the higher-ranked teams are probably going to be um, having in a, in a better position in terms of cash straight away. So... But it's a, it's a really valid question for this round too because Bo Webster's in a similar sort of price range to the likes of Swepson and Nessa um, who are also great options for the double game week. Um, mm. So I think you you still need to think about it across the whole season. So what what's Webster going to do between now and the end of the season? What's your plans for Swepson and Nessa if you bring them in? Are you going to bring them in and trade them straight out or are they going to stick in your team for a bit longer? If they're going to stick in your team for a bit longer at a, towards someone who has a bit more value like Webster. But if not, I think it's all good to um, to attack the double and uh, go for the points. Yeah, nice. Uh, and as I said, there's no right or wrong answers in, in, towards your team approach. The way I'm sort of looking at it at the moment is, I don't mind attacking some of these fallen guns in the Sixers and Renegades over the next couple of weeks. 
getting in on them early, and because they play early in the round, you basically get a free crack at them. And uh, Josh Phillip is one who I've been keen to antipod, but with those early games, he's still at around about 50% ownership. I don't mind. Um, this is possibly wishful thinking, but I'm, I'm, I remember last year on Josh Phillip, I sold him at about 260K after a couple of massive weeks and cashed him in for someone quite cheap and generated a lot of cash via that method. So I'm hoping, um, and it can be a little bit dangerous, but someone like a Jai Richardson or maybe Nathan Coulton-Isle, if he can keep up his form, if they can pile on a couple of these big weeks and hit 250K, then look to cash them in for someone at sub 100K. Um, yes, you're getting rid of a gun for a cheapie, but in the process generating 150-odd-plus um, dollars for your team. That's a, a different sort of strategy in terms of cash generation. You're still chasing your points um, rather than just going for the cheapies and you know maybe taking a bit of a hit points-wise. What do you reckon, Fish? Yeah, I just think that that strategy is far better suited for batsmen who have yeah, yeah. high upside and, and high <laughs> risk. Um, you have Jai Richardson's and co., you're pretty well guaranteed that you're going to need to get them back. So it's going to be an extra trade. So on that, mate, there's a lot of questions around set and forget, keepers. And, you know, it would be foolish to say there's any one player that's just in your team for the entire tournament. But are there any players, boys, Tom, I'll start with you, that you're happy to to essentially set and forget and leave them in your side uh, until the end of Big Bash starts? As I said, things change, but... Who, if any, would they be for you? Yeah, so we're saying they're not hundred percent, but we're saying they're sort of eighty-five to ninety percent locks. Yeah, like the, like the um, thing is, the thing is, if someone goes nuts and just gets like three hundred and fifty k, so let's say a batsman gets three tons in a row and goes over three hundred k, like you'd be pretty mad not to cash them in for that price. So no, no one's set and forget entirely, but there are people that you, you see and go, you know what, I can see them being in my team the entire tournament. Yeah, hundred percent. We've also got to remember that. Around halfway or probably a bit over halfway through the tournament, quite a few players are going to leave to go to play other commitments, whether they be international or other short forms. So um, there will be some role changes. So we need to see and just make sure that we're happy with the current role. But Daniel Sands is someone that I'm going to keep in my side, I think, for the whole season. Mm. Ash Vegar, I think, will stay in my side. Richo, I think, at this stage, will stay in my side long term. They're probably looking at my side. They're the only three that I can see my um, side staying long-term. I want to say short in there too. I don't know if it's positive vibes or not, but I reckon when once Rashid Khan leaves, he'll play a little bit more of a role with the ball. So I reckon short is three and well, he's almost a lock, but not quite. I'm looking at my side now. Lots of others, you know, the Thunder players have to go and a couple of other Scorcher bowlers. Um but Inglis might stay for a long time. I think he's still quite good value. And Zamper, I can see staying my side for quite a while too because he could be value as well. But when I look at it, you know, there's only three and a half players I'm really confident on. The rest, you know, they might need to go when I'm looking at other players or looking to bring in people on the double. Mm, yeah, there's not sort of too, too many for me to set and forget, mate. I said, I mean, I mentioned it before, if he is, does get to top dollar, but Jai Richardson, I'll be pretty happy to hold long-term. And Dan Sams, uh, an interesting one you threw out there, Ashton Agar, who was essentially pretty underwhelming in the double game week. I don't, like he bowled all right last night, but he wasn't overly threatening in terms of taking opportunities. Um, didn't make the most of his chance with the bat. Uh, why do you, I'm surprised you said him as a potential set and forget. Yeah, look, I just think he's going to consistently bowl four overs and I can see... Um, 
Perth, you know, he's got an opportunity. First game, he wasn't fantastic, but he did reach over 20 with low strike weight. And last night, he had the opportunity. It was a bit of a funky dismissal, but he had the opportunity to get some runs and get over 20 as well. So I just think the opportunity for him will be there. Um, the Scorchers had their two internationals leaving halfway through the tournament. Mm. Um, depending on who they bring in, he might increase maybe one in the order or it could be a little bit shaky depending on their depth. So I can just see him getting opportunities and he's not going to produce a really stinky score. Yeah, but we saw with uh, that Scorchers outfit last night with um, Peter Hatsaglou coming into the side, Matt Kelly dropping out, just how it can impact impact the bowling rotation uh, like on field during the game. It, it changes so, so much. Because they lost the quick in Matt Kelly, you know, we saw, um, you know, Ashton Turner come on. He had a bit of a trundle. Aaron Hardy had a bit of a trundle. So that is changing every single week with the Scorchers, one thing we have to be really aware of. Um, Fish, is there anyone who you can see staying in your team long term? Pretty similar list. Uh, I've got Shadab, so I plan to hold him for the season if I can. Um, I, would, I don't know if I'd bring him in at this stage, though, with the Hurricanes having their round five bye coming up. Yeah, mate, I, I was the same. I watching Shadab last night in his role going, geez, I want him. But the fact that he will be leaving the tournament, um, they've got the buy in round five. I'm like, it's almost one that you nearly had to start with, hey? Yeah, when when's he leaving, do you know? Um, Tomo, what's, that's your article, mate. What was the scoop there? Yeah, well, they have, they've signed a replacement player that's going to come and uh, replace them. They play, Pakistan plays some tests and some ODIs. I don't know the definitive leaving date, but they play the tests before the ODIs, but it's something I really want to know because if he's going to, you know, leave soon after Christmas, then I find it very hard to trade him in, especially with that buy upcoming the next few rounds. But if he's going to stay a bit longer term, then, like, his role is unbelievable. So it's one to monitor, and when we get information, like, that's going to shape my trade-ins for a round. Mm. Yeah, so I've just got your your article up here, Tomo, and we've got so they've got that too. So the test series is December twenty seven till Jan eight, and then the uh, the ODI series against New Zealand is after that. So yeah, it's it's a little bit it's all a little bit uncertain at the moment, isn't it? But you know, if he's picked for that, we'd be thinking, you know, not a lot of weeks left, maybe around six or seven. Yeah, it's and a big they, unknown, isn't it? Yeah, it what's is. going to shape us? Because if you know he's going to be here longer term, then you get him in. But, yeah. you know, you don't want to trade someone in and then two rounds later they're going because it feels like a waste. Yeah. Um, Fish? Yeah. Uh, other than that, I I wonder about Stoinis. Obviously, he's a wait and see, um, but he's lost so much value now. <laughs> I don't really see much value in trading him out. Um and then Yorks, if he gets dropped, could be the wicket keeper loop. So yeah, God. So it could be cemented in my team, um, and you know provide the value that we we're hoping to get in the first two weeks, but instead by being dropped. <laughs> yeah, what a three sixty turnaround that one is. Um, yeah, not fair, boys. Uh, Dan Sams is the obvious one for me. Outside of him, you know, Dry Richardson, but. Um, hard to really lock in too many more than that. A lot of questions around the trade boost, that extra trade we get three rounds a year of our own choosing where you'll have the, op- the option to do four. Honestly, uh, it's new to Supercoach BBL and there, there's no right or wrong answer on when to use them. 
Uh, my plan is to probably use one over the next two to three weeks. I was going to use one this week but didn't need to, uh, for round two, I should say. Um, probably use one leading into that round five double where the gauge and the sixes are on it, but not necessarily. It's not something, the way I perceive it, don't force it for the sake of getting an extra trade. If, if you sit there and go, oh, geez, I wish I had a fourth trade this week, use it. But don't force it for the sake of it. Uh, round eight, <clears throat> we go into the Hurricanes and sixes on the double. And then round nine, there are three teams on the double. So I see myself using one at least, if not two of my boosts in the, around that couple of weeks. And then round 12 and round 13, there's also a few more doubles there after a few single game weeks. So I'll probably save one for the back end of the tournament there, especially with international comings and goings, player availabilities. That's where I can see us maybe needing a little bit more fish. Yeah. It's something I've put a lot of thought into you know, over the first couple of rounds. And I usually, with these trade boosts, I usually gravitate towards using them earlier to try and maximise the value that you can get from them. Yeah. Um, because obviously then you'll get players in earlier and there's a longer period of time that you can have those players in your side and they can appreciate in value and all that kind of stuff. Um, however, as always, team dependent. If you're in a really strong position, um, there is absolutely no need to use a trade boost and you can you can hold it for later on to, um, to gain an advantage then. Mm. So, yeah, just um, one to to keep in mind uh, as to how you're going to strategize that for the rest of the season. The, the issue with holding it sometimes can be that you'll be left with it and you won't have anything to do with it. Um, so you've essentially wasted an extra resource then. So mm. uh, I'd still lean towards using it earlier if, um, if the opportunity arises. What's your take on it, Tomo? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, I agree. That's sort of round eight, nine, where there's teams on the doubles and buys. It looks a really hectic period. So I agree that I'll be using one or two around then. I think I haven't used one yet, but I think I'll be using one this round just to get a couple of heat in and get a couple of those value picks in. So I reckon round three were maybe when I first pulled the trigger. I was also going to ask you, Timmy, because it's been in NRL, is there anything you can learn from NRL and you could apply to your trade boosts here at the BBL? Or are they so different that... Um, you can't bring anything or any learnings from that. It's very different because of the, the sort of the unstructured nature <clears throat> of the schedule of Big Bash because it is so chaotic. The way I approached it, and again, it was the first time we, we'd had it offered in, in the NRL season, but there, for any non-NRL players out there, there's two major buy-rounds for the season, or at least there was last year, based around the state of origin periods where half the competition were on buyers. So I, struck, I used <clears throat> two or I think three of my boost around those two major weeks. It might have been leading into it. It might have been coming out of it because that's when teams were decimated and you were trying to get a full team on deck and it was really hard. So it was a lot simpler. The NRL this season is different because there isn't major buy-ins, but there's one buy every single week, so it'll change. Um, the important thing is just to be flexible with it. Be flexible with it. Don't have a set plan. As I said, because – and the other thing with NRL is the back end of the season, there's lots of injuries and restings and <clears> – <throat> They do that post-origin as well. So you know the weeks that you're going to be in a bit of strife numbers-wise. So that's why I would use it around there. Um, BBL, I think, as I said, I, we've got a few things that are going to impact us later on in the tournament. And there's international outs. There's you know players getting selected for test and one-day squads we didn't get planned for who are going to leave. There's injuries. COVID's ramping up. There's going to be COVID outs. And all of a sudden, you might go, shit, 
I thought I had a full team and I was looking good, but man, I need that extra trade. And that's why I say be flexible because I think there'll be weeks where you haven't anticipated on using it, but you go, man, I needed that extra trade. So that's the way I'm approaching it. And um, I, I fully get the philosophy of going early on your trade boost to maximize, especially team value and getting those cheapies that we've had a good look at like Bo Webster. Um, but for me, it's all about when does your team need to use it, not uh, a general consensus of this week or this week. So that's my sort of your take on it. Um, boys, let's get stuck into, actually, before we do that, Paddy and George from Morgan's Choice SCW back on deck for the Big Bash season, covering everything you need to know from how to begin your journey into the housing market to finding a better home loan rate to refinancing to let yourself fork it on a new vintage Kookaburra Kahuna, that black-backed cricket bat that Ricky Ponting used to use back in the day. One of my all-time favourites. I love dropping these ads each week because I've just been looking up vintage cricket bats and the Kahuna this week got me so excited. Really in that that beast mould that the Hush used to use as well. Uh, anyway, where were we? If you're sitting here listening and considering buying a house, bloke, 99% of first home buyers are thinking, where in the world would you start? Blokes like Pat and George know it inside and out. They'll get you on the right path. They might tell you you might not have enough cash to buy into the market. They might tell you you've got a stack, you've got too much cash, and you should be getting two houses or a suite at the MCG. I don't really know. The only way to find out is to give the boys a call, get in contact with them. It will not cost you a dime because you listen to the SC Playbook podcast. Use the special code SC Playbook for a free numbers consult. I think it saves about $150 on a consult, so unbelievable value. Guys, if you do want to get in contact with them, do it via Instagram at Pat and George Mortgage Choice, all one word. Flick them a DM, uh, or you can call them on nine five two one one six one one. No matter where you are in Australia, uh, fellas, double game week analysis: Brisbane Heat, hot hot property this week. This is how they lined up in game two. Uh, Josh Brown opened the batting. Maxi Bryant game it was round one, should I say? Josh Brown, Max Bryant, Colin Munro, Sam Billings, Jimmy Pearson, Ross Whiteley. James Basley, Xavier Bartlett, Mark Steckety, Matt Kuhneman, Mitchell Swepson. Uh, the big name obviously missing there on the lips of super coaches was Michael Nisa, who was around the Australian Test Squad. Um, Fish, you've dropped an article for round three already, touching on these sorts of things. How do you what what are the major talking points of this lineup that we should be looking out for heading into round three? Yeah, I think the bowling is probably the major talking point because there's so many options there. I see Kuhneman, Swepson, Steckity, possibly Nessa, and Basley uh, being a bowling all-rounder. So five players potentially if Nessa gets released, and that's that's a big talking point in itself, uh, and you know, maximum four trades and also other priorities coming up with looking at who to get for single game weeks and grabbing a cheapie or two here or there as well. Mm. So who do you get? Um, I've got Kuhneman at the top of the list, interestingly, uh, because he's got, a, I think, a negative 30 break even. Um, I wrote about him uh, kind of flying under the radar a little bit. He played for Australia in one-day cricket middle of this year and did really well. Um took six wickets in four games and bowled an economy rate of about five. Um, from memory, it was the best bowler in at least one of the games too. Looked great in round one. I think he had three wickets and very economical then as well. And uh, he's also just come into the, the season in form. He plays for his local club, Gold Coast, and captains them. 
and they've won both the T20 comp and the one-day comp in limited overs. So plenty of confidence for them at the moment with the Australian set-up, the club cricket, round one. Um, looks good. Maxi Bryden's really keen on the team set-up for Heat being two spinners, uh, which fills me with confidence uh, because that's the, the risk with him. Um, but 80K, um, that break-even when we're all looking at Generate value, uh, yeah, he, he, he looks the goods to me. Then I'm really keen on Basley, uh, which who we'll talk about a, a little bit later, I, I think, in the, the pods and antipods section. Um, but he, to me, uh, looks just in great nick in round one, um, so a bit of an eye test pick. Stackity is one who I was a little less keen on, but he's not the sort of guy that you'd want to, Antipod, I think, um, because mm. of bowls and he just gets a lot of wickets at the death. Um, he's not much fun not to own, so I'd be really keen on him. Swepson is value at 100k, and Nestor is value at 100k. Of those two, I'd probably <laughs> Nestor if he plays because he bats as well, um, and I just think he uh, he's a probably maybe slightly more chance of taking a few more wickets, but very close. Mm. Swepo can do it too, so. Um, he's mm. one we all need to work out in our minds who we, we want to prioritise. The other benefit with Basley is that he's a, a bat, eligible for a batsman slot, so you can pick him there and you may end up holding him for a little bit longer, I reckon. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at uh, obviously game one, and we had Basley bowl the 17th and 19th overs. We had Kuhneman bowl 18, and we bowled Steck, so Steckity bowl the 20th over, and I think Steckity is their death bowling man, as you said. I think he'll be locked in there. I suppose the question for me is, if Michael Nisa comes in, who drops out of this team for you? Yeah, so I think Bartlett will drop out. Um, I So he... Strong nod of approval there from Tomo. <laughs> yeah, Most that fills me with yeah. confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I think he took number 50 in round one. The other th- reason why I That's think... three overs. Yeah, three mm-hmm. overs, okay. And the other reason I think is that Nestor and Bartler look pretty similar as bowling types to me, both kind of bowl swing early. Mm-hmm. So I've got my fingers crossed because I'm pretty certain I'm going to be trading in Basley that he keeps the death roll Basley and Nestor does come in, he, he takes all of the early overs in the power play. Mm. Tomo, um, looking at this side... Um, going into the double, who who are the players you're, you're looking? I suppose we'll, we'll start. We'll break into the batting and bowling lineups. Um, general gist, mate. Blokes you're looking to buy, blokes you're not. The big one would be Josh Brown at 42k. Now, uh, I believe Brizzy grade cricketer scoring stacks of runs at local level. Got a start in round one. Scored seven off ten balls against the Gades. Um, whether you like him or not, at the price, pretty hard to go past if he gets named. Um, I believe, yeah, I think we both already own him. So fingers crossed he comes in because the, the other one to come into this side is, of course, um, Matty Renshaw, who's just had his, I believe, first kid. Um, so, Tomo, if, if Renshaw comes in, who drops out? Like Josh Brown, he's got to be a bit of a threat to drop out. What do you see it happening? Who do you like in the batsman? Yeah, it's interesting because Fish went straight to the bowlers. But when I look at the Heat, I'm really interested in the batting lineup um, because last year most of their leading run scorers are no longer there. 
So it's really been a changing of the guard for the Heat batsmen. You know, you had Duckett, Hazlitt didn't get a game. Um, Bryant's there, but, like, he's not somebody who could really pick with confidence. Chris Lynn's gone to the strikers. So some of their top run scorers from last year are no longer involved. So I'm really interested to see how they mesh as a group. And, you know, one of them I think will have a good round. It's just a matter of which batsman it is. And it's a bit confusing about who it will be. Look, Brown where could be the man to get dropped. Look, one of the openers will get dropped. I'm not sure who it will be for Renshaw, but one of them will probably go. Hmm. Um, look, I've already got Billings and Brown, as you do, Timmy. I'm kind of hoping that Billings might be the best batter over the round just because he's international quality. Um, he had his shortened stint with the Thunder last year, but he showed a few decent scores, and his strike rate once he gets going is pretty good. So I'm hoping it's Billings. I didn't love the touch he was in first game, so I don't know if I'd be trading him in if I didn't already own mm-hmm. him. Um, look, it could be Colin Munro. Um, he, again, look, rocks or diamond batters were not really enjoying at the moment to start the BBL, and he is a rocks or diamonds batter. Um, Renshaw coming in might be a bit of that forgotten man. I'm not... I don't think he'll bowl much, if at all, especially if the Heat are playing two spinners. But he's consistent and his strike rate has been trending up each year. So he's also very familiar with the his Heat teammates considering he plays state cricket here. So he could be the batter if he wanted a batter that could be sort of the forgotten man. As you said, if Brown gets named and keeps that opener role, like that price is pretty good and his form um, in the trial match was awesome. He showed one big strike, and that was about it. I don't know if he'll stick around. I'm mm. I'm really interested to see who, which of the opener drops out. Jimmy Pearson, I know, Fish, I might throw at you. Jimmy Pearson is one you're keen on. He can produce the odd knock, but he kind of seems like the fella to me that has a couple of knocks in a tournament and doesn't do much else. So I'd be interested to see why you're thinking about mm. why you think he would be a good trade-in or why you actually have already traded him in. Before before Fish jumps in, <clears throat> I was going to get to that. Um, Tom, you and I both went early on Sam Billings. Fish, I believe, went early on Jimmy Pearson, which intrigued me a lot. I, I know why he did it. Cheaper. Um, he had that 43 in the first game, so he's set to make money, only batting one spot further down the order. But Billings, in being an English international, just scored 70 against Australia in one day recently, averaged about 40 in the Big Bash last season for the Thunder, batting that spot higher. Uh, mate, I was pretty happy to lock in Billings ahead of Pearson, and I'm not as I'm not that keen on Pearson, but you are. So as Tomo said, what are you, fire away, son of a gun. Yeah, it's a bit of a gut call. So I, I know Pearson's probably had his ups and downs in terms of his BBL Supercoach career. Um, since he started. I mean, he came in as an opener for the Heat and then eventually moved down to the middle order. He has played some good knocks in the middle order, though. Um, averages about 21 in T20 cricket, striking 120, which uh, you'd, hope, uh, you'd hope you'd push up higher towards a 30 batting average. Um, but, yeah, that round one score filled me with confidence. Um, I followed his career pretty closely up here in Queensland, um, having been involved with local cricket here. Uh, and he's been captain of the Queensland Bulls for a couple of years now. He's played some good knocks there, albeit in a different format. Um, yeah, I think he's a great leader, um, and he's captain while Kawadri is away. So, 
uh, yeah, I just, given that he's only, I know you say Billings is one spot so higher than him. I see it as Pearson only being one spot lower. Um, another. Adds up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, touche. Uh, <laughs> point of view is that the surge often gets taken, uh, you know, in those kind of 15, 16 overs when number five batsman is in and can capitalise on them. Mm. Um, and I, I would guess that that happened in round one given what Pearson scored. So, yeah, um, it's just a just a punt. And it's one which doesn't have that much downside to me because of his price. So unless Billings comes out and turns up, which I think is probably a little less likely than someone, you know, at the top of the heat order, I'm happy to take the risk. Yep. Tomite? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a gut call. You've got to make them, you know. Hardy was a gut call of mine that paid off, so gut calls you have to take. Just going back to Kuhneman for a second, I reckon his job security, once I had a little bit of a look at him, because with you being keen on him, Fish, and Maxi and a few others, I had a look like his job security for the second half, perhaps even longer last season, was pretty good. I used to think of him as someone that was quite expensive, but as he's played more games... He's proving less expensive, and now there's no X-factor sub-risk, which um, he potentially could have been a part of. The only thing I've got worried, not worried, but I'm just thinking, and I've got no stats to back this up, so someone like Maxi or one of our other um, SC Playbook crew or subscribers who are good on the stats might know, that idea of being a second spinner in a side, how conducive is that to point scoring from a super coach perspective because I think about um, Hatsukoglu last night from the Perth Scorchers, but then I also think about that same game and uh, the windmill Dooley, he, as the second spinner, did really, really well. So I've just I've got nothing to back it up, but I'm just wondering what is the second spinner like as a scorer, especially over double game week? Mm. Yeah. The, yeah. You are, the only, um, yeah, the only evidence I've got is round one, um, which is that he took three wickets and... Um, they Swepson is a you know a, on the cusp of Australian selection as well, so he's pretty hard to get away. So they've got to choose someone to target, and I think Kuhneman might be that guy, which might open the wicket taking opportunities. That's my biased point of view. The, the other issue, and um, again, just making that that fight. So for anyone new to it a bit or, or unaware, uh, teams drop about forty minutes before uh, same time as the toss. Toss comes out, they give their teams 40 minutes before the game starts. Huge, huge watch on the heat because, as we said, we, we've got Renshaw coming back in. And if you've got Swepson in there as the key spinner, you've got Kuhneman. You know, if Renshaw comes in, do they use him as the second spinner? Spinner Does Kuhneman get picked? Look, he probably does. Um, let's see what the, they think of the deck and how that's looking, if they want, how many spinning options they want in the side. But then there's Michael Neeson to come as well. So there's a lot of question marks over... Namely, the bowling unit. Um, unfortunately, Tom, I, I'm in. I think you're leaning towards it as well without actually saying it. But uh, provided Renshaw comes in, which I assume he will, probably in for Josh Brown. Actually, Bryant was in really good form <clears throat> in domestic cricket coming into the tournament. So uh, that is the gut feel there. Uh, anyway, boys, we will move on from the heat and let's get stuck into a couple of pods and antipods uh, coming up. I'll start with you, Tomo, and a pod we're looking at sub, say, 5 to 10%. Low ownership plays to, to set you apart from your Supercoach rivals. Who have you found as your, your pod and your antipod? 
sure thing. I think me and Fish might be on the same page here. Um, I had a quick look this morning. I think it was 2.2% of the top 1% currently own Basley. Just want to make sure he's in the team, but I'm pretty sure he's in best 11. And he's someone that I think might be a bit under the radar considering you've got some more sort of bigger names, you know, your Nessa, your Swepson, all those sort of ones. He's a bowling all-rounder, but the fact, as Fish pointed out, that he's got that all-rounder status is really, really handy. He was good with the ball last game. What did he get? Two for 19. Most of his points come from bowling. He doesn't often reach that magical 20-run mark. Um, he got close to it first game, but his strike weight wasn't great. But I think he's I think he's going to bowl death because he's done that well for a few games last season and in round one was really good at it. Um, he's batting at seven. I guess if Nessa comes in, maybe he could drop one down the order. But I just, yeah, I, I, like, I like him. I like him as a pick. Mm. And Fish, you're, you're on the Baz bandwagon as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think last year was... A bit of a breakout for him. He's shown, given limited opportunities in the past, he's, he's shown lots of potential in the Big Bash as well. But last year was the first time he kind of had a consistent run at it. And the fact that he's come back again and uh, done well in round one, uh, albeit a, only a very small sample size, uh, that's all we can, can go off. Um, and the role looks good. Um, I like him as a, as a player, um, which he's a fun player to own. So... Um, I'm, I'm on board. My pod play, uh, and one that I'm genuinely tempted in getting, I speak a lot about him, but never have the kahunas to get him because he's always a little bit expensive playing in a dud team. But this dud team might have turned the table. The Melbourne Renegades, Kane Richardson. <clears throat> They're finally playing some decent cricket for us, uh, giving Richo something to sort of bowl at, a, a target to defend. 5.6% ownership. He's only taken one wicket in the first two games. Sweet. Doesn't worry me at all. Still bowling his death. Got the double game week in round five. One of the all-time uh, super coach consistent scorers. A substantial drop in price coming when lockout ends. And as I touched on earlier, the Renegades play that early game over the next couple of weeks leading into round five where everyone's going to want him anyway. So when you get an out-and-out super coach gun... 5.6% ownership, getting on early. Uh, I'm really tempted by by Kane Richo. Tomo, your antipod. Sure. Um, look, I'm not sure if it's more of a hopeful antipod because I've already made a trade and got him out. But I'm going to go Rashid Khan as someone who could possibly antipod. Yes, he's hmm. a gun. The strikers have a buy coming up and he's leaving early, so he's not going to stay the whole tournament. Yeah. Um Teams can also, it didn't happen in game one because the Sixers were under the pump, but teams can see him off. There will come a time where they might be a bit under the pump. I guess seeing Zampa sitting in my team, he was at a cheaper price and I can see him performing a similar sort of role. So I got rid of Rash and just could see Zampa as a great spinner in my side. So uh, antipoding Rashid uh, as a possibility for some. Yeah, fair play, mate. As you said, leaving soon enough anyway, enormous ownership. So... Not, not too bad at all. Uh, for anyone, again, sort of newer to Supercoach, Antipod going against the crowd. Who are the crowd going with these big ownership players or big ownership skippers uh, going against them and, and finding a point of difference in that way? Uh, Fish, who have you got? Yeah, I'm full of Antipods, as it turns out. So I've got rid of Rashid as well. Uh, we like. Yeah, and uh, you won't like Antipoding Sam Billings, but there's another Antipod. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
Another one will be Colin Munro, uh, who, yeah, there's a flip side to that in that um, he, yeah, I'm not actually sure that it'll be that high of an ownership, so maybe he isn't an antipod, but uh, he's, he's a player I'm prepared to go without um, at the price, and bad only, I think it's about 150k. Yeah, that, those bad only um, high ownership ones, they're, they're the best antipods possible because they can dead set go duck dark and you just go flying up the rankings. Uh, I've got the same sort of mole, mate, and that's Darcy Short. Still at 35% ownership, and, and I, I certainly understand that. Hit a few runs last night, looked okay. He's certainly not as explosive as what he's been in previous years. And when we saw last year, his strike rate dropped significantly. Looking okay and probably just doing just enough that people will look to hold on to him. He's not bowling at the moment. I suspect maybe, well, firstly, Paddy Dooley hasn't helped that, but maybe when Shadab Khan leaves, uh, I think he's around, well, whatever that ends up being, maybe starts getting some overs then as a second spinner. But uh, for the time being, yeah, I'm happy to go against Darcy Short uh, at the big ownership. Tomo? Yeah, he's not bowling. And also, Timmy, he's also not catching. So I like that as an anti-pot opportunity for sure. Mate, he's always... Because he's always been a really good fielder in the past, so he gets those key catching positions, and he had a couple of couple or dropped three catches last night. Unbelievable! And who have you got as a pod play, Timmy? My pod was Richo. Richo. Oh, that's I, right. I'm damn tempted by Richo. I just he's bowled the right sort of overs too, without taking the world by storm. So I like it. He's so good, mate. As I said, round five, everyone is going to be jumping onto him anyway. So why not go early, um, guys? We've jumped on board with draft stars and play up. Uh, for the new big for the big bash season, excited to link up for the summer of cricket. Essentially, it's fantasy sport and punting combined. They have these big draft draft stars jackpots uh, for contests in each and every BBL game of the season. Tonight's Thunder v Strikers. It's a twenty five thousand dollar jackpot. Um, same as fantasy sports, very similar to Supercoach, slightly different scoring system. So check that out if you do get involved. But seven players, four batsmen, three bowlers. All priced on their ability. You have a salary cap you need to squeeze them into. Watch your rank move up and down with every single ball bolt. Best thing about it, it pays back to hundreds of places. Last night, I had a contest. I thought my team was rubbish. Uh, I came 500th in the contest. Double my money. Cheering. Um, as fantasy sport nutters, we do feel like we've got a bit of an edge on people, although my result last night would suggest we probably don't. Tonight's game, I've gone – There's it's a tough game to go with because there's so many guns between Rashid Khan, Matty Short, Dan Sands. But Dan Sands at $19,000, $19,600, I think he's your play. He's got the best role in Supercoach and in Draft Stars for mine. So I'll be going with Dan Sands. If you're keen to play, obviously want uh, Draft Stars and Play Up to know that SC Playbook sent you. So to do that, jump into the article on our website, holding the podcast on the homepage. There's a link you can click there to the sign-up page. There's also a QR code there you can scan if that's easier. Uh, so if you are keen to get on board, that'd be appreciated. Uh, of course, as always, guys, 18 plus only, and make sure you gamble responsibly. Boys, let's jump into our round three trade plans. Fish, what are you looking at, mate? Yes, so I am looking at bringing in Kuhneman, Webster, and Basley, um, and probably a boost for Steckity. Um, in terms of who the trade-outs are, looking at Howells, Rousseau, maybe probably Matt Short and Adam Life. So if I can make the cash work with all those, I'll make it happen. Otherwise, I'll need to look at another trade-out. Um, yeah, and what about your skippers for this week, mate? Yeah, skippers. Um, I was tempted by 
Basley, but as the days go by, I'm warming more to Steckity. As I said, he's um, it's I recall the Brisbane Heat double game week last year when I believe he was the best captain or close to it, and I wasn't on him. Um, mm. and it wasn't fun at all. Um, watching him roll in in the twentieth over uh, with batsmen swinging for the rafters and balls going up, um, yeah. So I'm probably I'm warming to him, Basley, if I decide to go left field. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll most likely stick to a heat player. I'll probably chuck a VC on them just in case. Um, and if they fail, I'll look at try Richo um, later in the round. So funny. Like when you've got these, the death bowlers like, you mentioned Stecky is a prime example. You sit there and when you're a non-owner, especially in a double game, like, there's nothing more frustrating where they just get these shit cheap wickets laid on in the final over of the game. But then you sit, sit back and go, we knew he was bowling death. We knew this was going to happen. Just pick him. So it's like almost too too obvious to be true. Um, Tomo, what are your trades and skippers for round three? Yeah, I'll just confirm last year in a double, Steckity as both an owner and a captain, a captain choice did quite well. So um, I like that from you, Fish. Um, look, I think it might be a boost week for me and use the first one. I want to bring in a couple of Heat double game players. The Heat have only played one game, and I, I'm not sure if it's same old Heat as we've seen the last few seasons. So I don't want to go overboard as much as I did compared to the Scorchers this year. Um, but I'll get a couple of them in at least, and I also want to get a couple of people that have good roles or cheap break-evens from um, a couple of the other sides. Yeah, it's a Thunder clean-out, so all the Thunder batsmen... And probably a Perth Scorcher batsman too will go. Um, I like Webster as a trade-in. The role, the break-even. We still haven't seen him with Stoinis, but I think he's done enough to show that he's going to be pretty good for a while. Um, Basley I like. I like that as him as a captain's call as well because when I had a quick check just then, his scores last year were much better than what I thought and he was pretty consistent too. So I don't mind that not only is this a pod pick but a VC option too. Um, Steckity, yeah, he's a good pick too. Um, it's just his price concerns me. And with the Thunder players and the people I'm looking to trade out, I have a little bit of spare salary cap, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get to him. So it might depend on how the Thunder players go in their last game. You know, necessarily if information came through who's going to play both could be a good pick. Even I did allude to earlier as Kunun being the second spinner, but with sort of the cash generation, his price, if the Thunder plays, if all I could get to was him, then I wouldn't um, be too disappointed with that either. Yeah, yeah, fair play, mate. It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? <clears throat> Obviously, we're looking to, to get rid of Thunder players on the bye this week. We've all heavily invested in them across the first two rounds. But at the same time, there's not a lot of value there because they've underperformed so much. So it's like, well, you know, yeah, sure, Steckley looks a great buy, but <clears throat> can we afford him? So my side, I'll be looking at getting rid of Gilks. You know, I said, um, if he gets dropped, uh, Fish, he could be that perfect little loophole in the wicketkeeper position. But him, likely Riley Russo uh, and Faruqi, who Faruqi I'd love to hold, but... <clears throat> When all these players have underperformed, you've got to get the, the cash generation somewhere. So Faruqi's probably going to have to go. <clears throat> Coming in for my side, it's a big watch on teams because th- there could be a few little uh, curly ones thrown in. 
Matty Renshaw's one who, if he's named as, as the second spinner, I, I like him, who I think will be in decent pod range. But Steckity, if I can afford him. And in terms of value, it's just really hard to go past Mitch Sweps and the Michael Nisa. Uh, again, provided Nisa is named, check those final teams. But I know I've named a few there. And then maybe use a boost this week for Kane Richardson, although likely probably more so to come next week. Uh, or you could go down the cheapy route of Webster, or I need to get Marcus Stoinis back in my team. I'm likely going to sit without Stoinis this week, who I sold last round, and get Stoin back in next week. Uh, but as I said, a lot to play out, because if we get Steckity, probably can't afford Richo with the boost. So uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll be dropping final trades in the SC Paper subscriber WhatsApp chat before the game starts tomorrow night, once we have a bit more of an idea. Skippers... I'll have the C on Jai Richardson if the VC fails, but obviously it'd have to be a pretty bad failure not to take the double game week player. So um, if Steckity comes in, I find it hard to go against him. Guys, let's get stuck into a few listener questions before we wrap up the round three podcast. Um, question from Jason. It says he's very tempted to keep Rousseau and Alex Hales on the side and trade others. They're almost too cheap to trade with anybody else and nobody at their price from the Heat will be a better batsman than them in the long term anyway. Could either go to Finch and, or could go to Finch and prepare for the round five double. Um, I'll start with you, Fish. What are your plans with Russo and Hales? Yeah, I don't mind the idea of keeping um, maybe one of the two if you can manage it. Um, my, my only concern is that they're, they're bad only, so you're kind of limiting... Uh, point scoring opportunity in your side. If you've got a strong enough team to bench them um, and emergency loop them, then yeah, sure. But I certainly wouldn't look to do it for too long because you want to be stacking your side with bowlers or arounders as soon as you can. Uh, Tomo, what's your take on it? Because it's a very relevant question this week because just about everyone owns at least Hales and, and plenty own Riley Russo as well. Not a lot of value in him. Russo got a few runs last game. So he's on 73 points before the double, the second game is double. Um, obviously, the buy next week. So not too bad holding one or two of them because you can use them for looping purposes. Round four, they play in game the final game of the round. Round five, they play in the second game of the round. But for looping purposes for these sole batsmen, not ideal. Um, what are you doing with them? Yeah, look, mine mine will be traded out unless Riley just had a monster game tonight. Um, I agree that the Heat batters are a real mixed bag, but I don't think I would keep Thunder players. It's a real pod move, but I'm going to look to get rid of my Thunder and try and bring in some cheaper players that look to have that good role or just a really, really tasty mm. break even. I'm, look, I'm not going to keep mine around. Yeah, I'm really tempted to hold Hales, but... Honestly, the, the opportunity may not may not be there. Uh, question from Stevie Soden. Stevie knows how to get uh, his question asked on the podcast. Love your work, lads. Thank you, Stevie boy. Is Sam's a must-trade on the buy, or can you afford to bench him as a season keeper? Uh, we, we touched on him briefly before, Fish, but is he staying in your side long-term? Yeah, yeah, he will be. I just don't like the idea of trading him out and then trading him back in. Uh, it just seems like a waste of a trade when we've got to be getting all these other double game week players in. Um, you need to think about your cash as well. So if you're going to mm. hold him, you need to be making sure that you've got enough cash to get in the key double game week players. So just plan ahead and hold him if at all possible. Tomo, any temptation to, to cash in Sam's for you? No, not for me. I'll be keeping him. He'll just sit on the bench for a week and then come back on. Mm. 
Yeah, he's a good all-rounder. He hasn't scored any runs yet, but that will come at some stage. Um, he's taking wickets. He's bowling silly O's. We expected him to bowl. Um, he's here all tournament too, unlike some of the other good all-rounders that will leave at yeah. some stage. Um, I think there are other Thunder players that you need to get out way before Daniel Sams, especially with the heat with a bit of, val- a bit of value on board. Um, hopefully everyone can make it work, but no, stays around for me. Yeah, he's not an antipod for me either. I think I'll be sticking to him long term. Question from Matty Person, good fella, old Matty boy. Uh, Matty asked, "Who has who has been the worst dud to start the season with, and why is it guilt?" And in a two pronged question, what do you do with the bum now? Very harsh, Matty, but uh, us super coaches, we take things seriously. And Matty, unfortunately, Matty Gilks, that is, hasn't delivered. Hopefully by the time you listen to the podcast, he's come out and hit a ton for the Thunder and we can all just be like, sweet, we'll be banking that cash gen for him. Um, Tomo, I think uh, Fish, you spoke a bit about him earlier. What are you doing with him, Tomo? Is he leaving your side as there obviously won't be a lot of value in the trade? Yeah, he'll be going. Let's put a bit of good juju in the atmosphere so he'll get <laughs> at least 20 quick strike rate, a few caught behinds tonight. Then we'll say thank you for your service and I'll try and get into a cheapie who will make money. Might be a Kuhneman. Webster, even a Dooley, um, a young spinner from the Sixers is looking pretty good. Um, look, I'll just get him to someone that's going to rise in price. Yeah, finish on a high for us, Matty boy. Uh, Peter Wright, last question. Miss Jai Richardson this round, still worth getting him in uh, for round three. So what was he about? About 150-odd K, scored 260 points across the double. His break even was about 100. So he's going to go up a lot in value. Um, I, I think we all own him. Um, Fish, if you didn't own Jai Richardson, would you be pulling the trigger on him next round? Yeah, I think it's either got to be round three or round four. Um, so with a pretty low break even, I'd probably do it and that probably means you use a boost next round because you're going to be trading a lot of other players in as well. Mm. And I think that's worth a boost. That It's a scenario where, um, yeah, you couldn't really fall – well, you, you, could, you can't plan when you – miss these players that they'll go up so much in value. Um, so you just got to jump on. For sure, mate. Like he'll be, you know, when Lockhead ends, maybe 180, 190-odd K. And if you leave him another week, there's the every likelihood that he punches out another ton and he's 250K before you know it and you can't afford to get him in. So, you know, the risk of, of that happening, it's probably worth just getting him in. Tomo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, poor Bargo is a non-owner. They've got no buys till the end of the season, so you're not going to have to sit an expensive person for a week. There's some parallels with Thornton in round one, isn't there? Someone that just went absolutely ballistic and is going to rise in price. Um, I'm going to probably disagree. Like, if you've missed him, it's unfortunate. But try and find the next guy that's going to have a monster double game week. Um, who can pick up two, three, four wickets in a game and do the same the next week? So I'm going to disagree. Like, it's unfortunate you've missed it, but... You know, there was Thornton in round one, Richer in round two. Who's it going to be from the Heat in round three or the Renegades and Sixers in round five? Who's going to do that for you? So I'm going to disagree and say um, go to someone else. If you are, if you weren't a past champion, mate, I'd call you a nutcase and I'd give you a spray, but I just I can't bring myself to do it. So, boys, uh, good potty, good potty. Uh, we'll wrap that one up for round three. As I said, we will be back in a couple of days' time ahead of round four and five. We'll do a double episode uh, so that I'm, I'm sure everyone on Christmas Day will want to be listening to the dulcet tones of the Supercoach Spy. So we'll get that ready for you. Uh, Tomo, thank you very much, mate. 
Thanks, boys. It was good fun. Hopefully everyone enjoys watching a bit of BBL. But um, be careful because I was reading a story about Tasmania about some bloke watching the cricket and um, a snake went to his house. So just be careful when you enjoy your cricket over summer, everyone. Jesus Christ. Hard work watching a game of cricket these days, isn't it, boys? Uh, Fish, thank you very much, mate, as well. Thanks, lads. Enjoyed it. Cheers, boys. Thanks for tuning in, guys.